Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mind Your OT Business podcast, where we empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura Park Figueroa. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may know that I am the owner of Outdoor Kids OT, which is a nature-based pediatric practice. And in this episode, I am going to share my top tips for starting and running a nature-based practice because I get questions about this all the time. And so I thought, why not do a podcast episode about it? Um, I will say that there are some useful business lessons and pricing topics that start near the end of the podcast. And those start at around 32 minutes and 40 seconds. So you can just, if you want to listen to just those topics, if you are not a peds therapist or you are not someone interested in nature-based practice, but you want to hear a conversation about pricing and the business lessons I've learned about launching some online products, which is part of this conversation, that starts at that time and then you can just fast forward to that point in the podcast. So, But if you're interested in nature and children, you should listen in. So if you're ready to take action and adventure into nature-based therapy, let's jump in. All right, friends. So if you're still listening, then you probably are a pediatric therapist or someone who's interested in nature-based therapy. So in this episode, I am going to give you a little background about how I started my practice and then talk to you about the startup, the structure, and the systems you need for nature-based pediatric practice in particular. And then I'm also going to get into some of my learning. I mentioned this in the intro about pricing and valuing our services and about how I what I've learned about launching some online products. So hopefully you guys can learn from everything going on in my brain right now. <laughs> so, okay. Let's just jump right in. So I started Outdoor Kids OT with just me. I was a solopreneur. But from the start of the business, I was really thinking like an entrepreneur because I really wanted this, what I, whatever I learned to be able to help other therapists to do the same work because I knew that... I knew that there was something unique to working outdoors, and I knew that this was something that made so much sense for pediatric OT, right? Most of us as pediatric OTs can just look at nature and know the sensory and therapeutic benefits that it offers for children. So I won't go into that too much in this podcast because there's a ton of literature. You can read about that out there. Um, but I grew, I started just as me. And the the second year in business, I hired a few part-time OTs, and, and several of those people are still with the practice to this day. And um, now we're a really small team. So right now I have um, three part-time therapists that each run a group or two during the week, and then I'm running the business, and I have a practice manager who helps with the admin and the management stuff. And we have someone that we contract with to do social media for the business. So that's kind of the team I'm managing right now. Now, as as I started this work, something that I did was I took notes like meticulously and was really, really consistent. I am, you may laugh to know this, but I'm not really a consistent person. I get bored really quickly, so I'm not good with routines and I have to constantly revisit my routines and get back into them. But one of the things that um, I did really consistently when I started Outdoor Kids OT was I took notes, reflective practice notes, and my documentation on kids' goals. And I took notes about what really worked, and I 
was at the very beginning thinking a lot about developing a framework to help other therapists take their work outdoors with kids in alignment with what research says is best practice when we work outdoors. So what developed out of that was the Contigo approach. So it it stands for Contigo stands for connection and transformation in the great outdoors. Con T I G O Contigo. And I am actually pursuing my PhD right now in occupational therapy, and I am studying nature-based occupational therapy. So it's not a program in nature-based OT. It's an OT-PhD, but my specific area of practice and my line of research will be specifically related to nature-based pediatric practice. So um, the Contigo approach grew out of this, and the Contigo approach is... Um, actually, <laughs> I forgot about this. I was in my notes to tell you guys. Um, I just wrote an article about it, actually, that just got published in the special interest section in the August issue of AOTA's special interest section quarterly. So if you're a member of AOTA, you can go to the website there and look at the SIS section, and it is called Nature-Based Occupational Therapy for Children with Developmental Disabilities, I think is the title. <laughs> I don't have it right in front of me, but it just got published. And so it goes into the um, framework and gives a case study and kind of talks more about what is involved in the Contigo approach. But I'll go through those really briefly right here. So the connection piece stands for um, the approach being focused on connecting children to one another, to other people, and connecting them to nature. So that's a foundation of the Contigo approach. The transformation word refers to using evidence-based practice. So we take what research says works well with children and what we have evidence for, and we use that in partnership with nature outdoors to address children's goals. And finally, the GO, the G-O, Great Outdoors, stands for the setting of our services when we do nature-based work with children using the Contigo approach. The setting is in an immersive nature setting. So there's a lot of theory behind this. I won't go into it here. But um, basically, an immersive nature setting is somewhere where children and adults can feel away. You can feel a sense of relief from daily life and can feel that that sense of forgetting about your problems and just being present in nature. And for kids, it's it's getting into the enjoyment of play, really, and not thinking about stressors in daily life. So immersive nature settings tend to be rather uncultivated. They're not like near buildings or near roads and cars where those things kind of remind you of the built world, right? But if you're in an immersive nature setting, you're away from those things and feel like you're away, okay? Um, and also, I want to say, too, that that great outdoors piece in the Contigo approach refers to nature as a co-facilitator. So I think often we find ourselves saying we use nature as a setting or we use nature to facilitate children's goals. And I don't like to say the word use because I feel like it disrespects nature in some way. And really in this approach, nature is a co-facilitator with the therapist of the session. And as you do this work, you'll realize this, that nature offers therapeutic opportunities that cannot exist in an indoor setting. Just the things that happen when you're outdoors in treatment sessions that you can't control. That's the way nature facilitates, right? You see an animal or the environment changes because of the seasons. There's ways that nature facilitates with us 
So it refers to nature as a co-facilitator. We're not using nature, but nature facilitates with us. We're in partnership with nature. So that's the language I like to use. Okay, so let's dive into the first topic of startup logistics. These are things I often get questions about. So I want to, in this episode, answer a lot of the frequently asked questions that I get. So then I can refer people when they ask me these questions to say, oh, I covered that in the podcast episode and, and refer them here so you guys can have all the information in one place. So startup logistics. So one of the things people often ask is, how do you find a location? And the the honest answer is this takes time and work and energy. It you you need to physically go to a lot of different locations and you need to be in those locations and experience and think about what it would be like to be with a small group of children in these locations. Um, and you want to consider things like the setting feeling away, like what I just talked about. You want to consider um, drop off and pick up for, for families. Like, is it going to be easy? Is there a place that's easy for them to drop off and pick up? A lot of parks charge entry fees or things like that, that you don't want parents to have to pay 5 or $10 every time they drop their kid off for a group. Um, you want to think about privacy. So if you're not using private land, now that is something I would encourage you to do if you live in an, a r- more rural area or an area where there might be private land you could use, I would encourage you to consider that. But if you have to use a public park system, I'm, I'm more thinking about people that are in urban or suburban areas where you may not have a ton of land, of private land at your disposal. So you want to think about easy pick off and drop up. You want to think about um location of bathroom and water facilities, especially I'm recording this in July of 2020. And we're in the age of coronavirus, you have to have a way to make sure that we're being sanitary, especially right now. Um, And then you also want to think about privacy. I think I just mentioned this and now I'm circling back to it. But um, privacy is really important because a lot of times if you're in a public space, People walking by or people with their dogs or other groups of hikers will distract children from their play. And so when you're looking at a public park, I always look for areas that are kind of like off the beaten path a little bit where where you're still allowed to use them. But a space kind of behind trees near the trail or a space, a, a picnic site that might have a little alcove in the trees behind it or something where you could be a little bit away from where the main trail and the main traffic of the park is going to be. And there's no short way to find these places. You really have to physically go to places in your area and find what would be best. The other thing you need to concern consider with a location is permitting. So make sure that if you are using a public space that you ensure that you do not need a permit or that you have the necessary permits. Not that I learned this through any mistakes I might have made. Okay, moving on now. (laughs) All right. Um, So that's it for location. Those are just some considerations. There's a lot of other things, but that's the basics. Um, Another question I often get about startup is liability insurance. So one of the things I would suggest to you if you are starting a nature-based practice is to use the word community-based practice, okay, rather than a nature-based practice or an outdoor practice, because those words scream liability risk to insurance companies, okay? If you use community-based practice, you are a community-based practice because you work out in the community because a public park or outdoor space is a community space. So that is the language I would use. And I insure my practice 
they they know my I mean they have my website so they know I'm an outdoor practice and I insure my practice um, as an occupational therapy practice so I have general liability and professional liability insurance for myself the practice and for all of the therapists that work for us and it is not any more expensive like I I think I pay $65 a month or something for for my practice and again we're very small very very small we only offer 20 hours or so of therapy per week so it's not for groups for a few small groups of kids and I'll get into that in a little bit Um, but but you definitely with liability insurance that is my top tip is to use the word community-based practice when you inquire with insurance companies okay so let's get into some of the structure of the group now so those are some of the startup logistics and i want to get into the structure of the group because this is another question i get a lot of the time like how many kids are in the groups who how many what types of kids do you serve like what's the structure how does it go so i'm going to answer those now so the structure of our groups uh we started with 90 minute groups and that wasn't quite long enough so now our groups are an hour and 45 minutes or two hours long so you need more time when you're out in nature because you have to walk or hike to where you're going you have to let the kids get into the flow of being outdoors and you don't want to rush them that is the beautiful thing about nature-based therapy is if you have more time if you structure your groups in this way to have more time you don't have to rush the way you often feel like you have to in a traditional half hour therapy session. I know when I worked in the school, sometimes my sessions were only half an hour long. It's crazy short. So we use a longer um, session. We group children in groups of four to six kids. And ideally, we have three to four kids that are getting OT. And then we have two or three kids that are peer playmates where who are just like neurotypical kids who are out there getting the experience of playing in nature with friends. Um, so it's we use an inclusive model. Now I will say the challenge is marketing. So marketing is really hard to get those peer playmates. And sometimes we do have groups with more OT kids than peer playmates because we it it's hard to market to the peer playmate crowd and also market that we're an OT service. So um I would just say that I I really encourage these inclusive models where it's a mix of different kinds of kids. Um, But but just being really honest, sometimes it's hard marketing wise to market to two different crowds of um, people. The types of kids that we see are typically, um, so I'll, I'll kind of share the, the tagline on our website is we help kids grow more coordinated, confident, calm and caring. And those words kind of stand for what we work on in the Contigo approach treatment model. So um, coordinated refers to our children that have coordination issues, obviously, like fine motor, gross motor um, skill challenges. And these are kids that might have dyspraxia or developmental coordination disorder or maybe no diagnosis at all, but just really struggle with their motor skills and need to become more confident with their motor skills. So the outdoor setting is wonderful for that. All the uneven terrain and the climbing we do and the movement, there's just so much movement in a nature-based session. They're moving the whole time and so good for kids that have coordination issues. Um, The next one is confidence. So this is how we refer to work on mental health. So we want to, in the Contigo approach, we want to encourage children to have a positive mindset to push through obstacles, to reframe negative thinking, 
to see failure as opportunities for growth. Um, we actually call them fail learns. If we fail, we celebrate it as an opportunity for learning. So if someone falls down or if someone messes something up on an art project or something, we like, yay, oh, that's amazing. That got messed up and that means you're learning. So it's it's like a real culture in the group to foster that gro- growth mindset. So um, mental health is another um, area that we work on. Now, calm refers to, it's our parent-friendly word to refer to sensory processing and self-regulation. So this is another thing that is so beneficial in the outdoor space to work on sensory processing. And so um, we do a lot of work with kids in our groups on self-regulation and, um, I mean, the outdoor I don't think I need to convince any OT listening to this. Now, maybe if you're from another profession listening, you can you can read up on this. But the outdoor world in nature is so beautifully balanced with being a stimulating and exciting environment while also at the same time being very calming. And so the sensory input that kids get when they are outdoors in nature is so different than an indoor clinic-based setting, right? It's It's... It's just complete. You can't even really compare the two because they're so, so different. So um, we love the outdoor space for that reason, because it's a great place to work on sensory processing needs in kids. Okay, and then the final one is caring. So this refers to our work on social skills. So we work a lot on perspective taking. We work a lot on um, how to be a friend, turn taking um being a good sport when you play a game, things like that. So um, the 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 typical and, and kind of the, the typical kids who come to our groups needing to work on these things are kids that have autism or kids that have, oh, excuse me, <laughs> that have ADHD because a lot of times the impulsivity of ADHD um, gets in the way of them having good peer relationships. So we work on friendships, making friends. Um, so that's it. So the, the general, that's the kind of the types of kids and the things we work on in our groups. I talked about grouping kids. I talked about how long the groups are. And then the structure of the group, like the actual sequence of events that happens in the group. Um, every therapist has their, their um, own way of, of kind of weaving these elements together. But generally, um, the groups all include a main therapy activity of the day and a healthy snack time and time for supported free play. So I'll talk a little bit about what each of those things involve. So for a therapy activity, this is the this is the therapy activity that is planned that day to address the children's goals. So I'm going to get into the therapy process in a little bit. But if you need ideas, if you're if you're just getting into nature-based practice and you need ideas for some activities to do outdoors with kids, I, I have a book. It's available on Amazon. It's called Therapy in the Great Outdoors. You can look it up. There's 44 activities based on all that writing that I did my first few years of practice to write down what actually worked for kids. So only things that actually worked made it into the book. The failures are not in there. <laughs> so plenty, plenty of things I tried that did not work. So, um, so yeah, if you need ideas for therapy activities, you can just grab that and, and use it and it'll give you, you know, more than a whole school year's worth of, of activities you could try. But the point is that the therapy activities or the main therapy activity of the day is chosen based on the needs of the kids in the group. So 
you're really thinking about as a therapist, if you're practicing nature-based therapy, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what that means in a minute, um, you should be thinking about the goals that you are trying to work on and planning the activities in accordance, right, with those goals. So we plan a main act ther- therapy activity, and then we also have a snack time because we really believe that it it is very important for kids to it's part of nature connection for kids to understand that the earth provides healthy foods for us. So we have a healthy snack time where we have maybe a fruit and a vegetable or, um, you know, things that, things that are natural foods that come from the earth. And so that's another way that we kind of integrate that nature connection into our groups. When we use the Contigo approaches, we have that healthy snack time. And then finally we have during each, um, two-hour-long session, we have at least 45 minutes of supported free play time. And when I say supported free play, the supported part is important. It is not just a time for the therapist to stand back and relax and let the kids play, right? Um, I... I guess I'll, I'll kind of... I'll kind of get into the systems now as I'm as I'm talking about this. So this idea of supported free play is really important because a lot of times... We hear in, you know, the media how important nature play is for children and how important outdoor play is for children. And I think there are some children who need more than just nature play. And we are seeing those kids in therapy when we do outdoor nature-based therapy. When kids need more than, than just nature play, we need to be supporting them to develop the skills they need as they play in nature. So what I mean by supported free play is that we do stand back and we do let the kids play during this time. But the therapist and the other staff in the group are, um, oh, I didn't mention that. We never have just one person out with kids. We always have a couple of volunteer staff or OT students or an OT assistant or someone who's with the therapist with a small group of kids. So we always have at least two adults with with four to six kids. Okay, that being said, sorry, that should have gone back and start up logistics and set up stuff. Um, so during that supported free play time, they're standing back, but they are looking for opportunities to help expand the children's play, to help them practice inquiry-based learning, to help them expand their thinking, to help them be a good playmate to their friends in the group, um, to help them join in play, to help them try new things. Um, so we're not like we're not like hovering over them necessarily, but it is a time to support children's free play. So. They have a choice of what to play, but we will hop in and give support where needed so that they can really get the most out of that free play experience in nature. So um, I could go on and on about this, and I might I might talk more about it <laughs> in the rest of this podcast. But So those are kind of the, the three main elements of the session. We also write down a schedule for the kids and things like that. But um, basically, that's kind of the structure. Two hours long, we have a main therapy activity, the snack, and supported free play time. Okay, now let's talk about systems. So this is going to get a little more into that, like, not just nature play idea. Um, when you are offering nature-based therapy, you need a therapy process, okay? You need to be doing a therapy process behind the scenes, all right? It is different than a nature-based learning experience or nature-based education or nature-based enrichment or nature-based camp Um, 
therapy is different than these things. When you are offering a therapy service outdoors, you need to have a therapy process going on behind the scenes to actually call it therapy. So we should not be calling, this is a big beef of mine, can you tell? We should not be calling things therapy or occupational therapy if they are educational experiences for children outdoors, okay? Yes, we are allowed as OTs, and I, you know, I'm speaking for OTs here because I think that's the majority of people listening, but this may be true in other professions too. Most therapists are allowed to provide health and wellness services underneath their their practice act or their licensure or whatever you want to call it, um, the laws that dictate how we practice. But we should not be providing a general outdoor experience for kids and calling it therapy if we are not going through a therapy process behind the scenes. So what do I mean by a therapy process? I mean individualized assessment. I mean writing the goals based on that assessment in collaboration with the families. I mean, documenting on the goals, progress reporting to families. Oh, and I forgot, planning intervention, right? Documenting and, and progress reporting to families. So that process that we all know that that goes along with good therapy indoors applies outdoors as well. Now, there's a few extra things you may want to look at when you work outdoors, and I won't get into all of those right here. But, you know, I I mean it a little bit provocatively when I say nature-based therapy is, quote, not just nature play. (laughs) I I actually put this on the slide when I did a training on the Contigo approach last fall. We had to cancel the ones in 2020. I'm so sad. We're working on an online course, though, hopefully by the end of the year. Um, So I, I put this on the slide, not just nature play, to be a little bit, a little bit provocative because... As OTs, we all know that play is the most important, right? It's the mo- it's the work of the child. It's the most important thing that kids do is they learn through play. But I use the term not just nature play because I want therapists to know that if you are doing therapy in nature, there's still a therapy process behind it, okay? You should be doing something different than a forest school teacher if you are calling something therapy and marketing it as therapy, okay? So that's just... That being said, I, I just want to be clear about that. Um, the benefit to your business, if you are offering a nature-based therapy service, is that in my opinion, it is less work and more financially lucrative, okay? And when I mean less work, I mean you can generally work with a smaller group of kids, focus on individualized needs, Rather than if you're offering an enrichment experience, you're, you're focusing on a larger group of kids, right, and having to do staffing for a larger group and all of that. Um, but with nature-based therapy, if you're focusing on a small group of children and their individualized needs and you only need one other person, but you're charging more because you're doing that individualized service, it's a more sustainable business model, in, in my opinion. It's a more sustainable business model than offering like large group enrichment type nature-based programs. So that's just my experience. And again, other people will have other opinions, but I'm sharing here what I have experienced in my opinion. So there you have it. Um, I think I think you, you have to be aware that you're doing a lot of work behind the scenes when you offer nature-based therapy. So the time in the woods or in your outdoor setting is really important. That's your intervention time. But you're doing a lot, of t- a lot of work behind the scenes to plan effectively and to really think about the needs of the children in the group to plan the experience for them. Okay. Um, 
I, I talk a lot more, if you guys are interested in this topic, I talk a lot more about the differences between nature-based learning or enrichment or um, education and nature-based therapy in a recent Facebook Live video that I just did in the free Facebook group that um, my practice moderates. It's called Therapy in the Great Outdoors, Nature-Based Pediatric Therapist. So if you're on Facebook, go search for Therapy in the Great Outdoors, Nature-Based Pediatric Therapist. Join us there and you can access that video. It was about, I think I talked for about 20 minutes or 25, and then people asked questions too. So that is there as a resource for you if you want to hear more about the differences between nature-based learning and nature-based therapy. I went into like the the principles, the... I forget what it was somewhere back here in my I went into the principles, the purposes and the process of um, principles, purpose and process and then precautions for marketing of nature based learning and nature based therapy in that Facebook live video. So if you're interested, head over there. OK, so we are 28 minutes in, so I want to wrap this up. So. The reason that I'm sharing all of this is because I get so many questions online about this and I just I just want to give you guys help to get started. And along those lines, my business is now offering resources. So Outdoor Kids OT, we are finally launching. They came out today. I'm publishing this episode the same day that we are launching these these resources for you. So we have a couple of different resources we've created during the last, gosh, four four months or so, and they're finally here. And I, I just, you guys, I, I cannot describe how proud I am of these resources. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about them here, but I'll, I'll send you um, to the website to get more info if you're really interested. So if, you're, if you really want help with the planning part of nature-based therapy, because again, it as I've as I've said, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it takes planning to do good nature-based therapy with children. If you want help with the planning part, we've created all of these resources <laughs> based on like what we wish we had as nature-based therapists in Outdoor Kids OT. So the whole team gave input and we have several resources for you. The first is called the Nature-Based Treatment Plans Pack. So these are a one-page front and back printable that gives you everything you need to run a nature-based therapy session with children ages 3 through 10. So every plan includes kind of what I talked about. Honestly, it's based on our Contigo approach. So it includes an activity for the day, an idea for snack, a supplies list, a list of developmental skills, like, and a bunch of other things. And you can print this printable and gather your supplies and start getting started doing nature-based therapy with kids, okay? So that's our plans pack. You get 32 of those in the nature-based treatment plans pack, which is really enough to run an entire school year with, you know, with school breaks and things. It it gives you enough um, treatment activities to run an entire school year of after-school treatment sessions for kids outdoors. Okay, so there's that one, plans pack. The second thing we created is called the Ultimate Nature-Based Therapy Camp Kit, okay? I originally had this called a manual, and when people looked at it, they were like, this is not just a manual. Like, this is way more than a manual. You need to change the name of this product. So um, we're calling it the Ultimate Nature-Based Therapy Camp Kit because that is ultimately what it is. It is everything you need to run 
your own nature-based therapy camp. So we give you forms. We give you our framework that we use to plan our weeks of camp. We give you two weeks of curriculum and tons of bonuses. Like we poured so much time into this resource. And if you are interested in running nature-based therapy camps, I I know it's going to save you hours and hours of time and headache as you plan and as you implement camp. So that is the ultimate nature-based therapy camp kit. And then finally, we have the bundle. The bundle will give you the plans pack and the camp kit and a bunch of very valuable bonuses that you can get only with the bundle. Things such as like a volunteer training manual so that you can train staff in your in your nature-based therapy practice and a parent welcome packet that has all the information we give to parents. All of these things are fully editable. If you buy the bundle, you get these bonuses and you can edit them for your own practice. We give you the rights to use them. So that is something that I want to get into talking about is the business lessons. Okay, so the business lessons that I learned as we created these things and as I priced them and as we've brought them to market, because I think that it's really important um, as as we learn and grow as entrepreneurs that we share honest information with one another about our process. Okay. And that is the whole reason why I started this podcast. So we have these resources. We have the plans pack, the camp kit, and the bundle. And um oh I guess I should say the website, right? <laughs> if you wanna if you want to get the information about those resources that we have created. We created a little shortened link. So if you go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L Y slash therapy in nature bit.ly slash therapy in nature and you can see all the information about what's included with the plans pack the camp kit and the bundle and all the bonuses you get with the bundle okay bit.ly slash therapy in nature now I'm going to talk about the business lessons so what I have learned in um in creating these resources with my team and in bringing them to market is that there is a strategy to launching online products, okay? And if you think that online work is just like create it, throw it up there and sit back and watch the money flow in, like that's just not how <laughs> it's not how it works. And if people are telling you that how that is how it works, they are lying to you. <laughs> There is a strategy um, to online business. And so one of the things that uh, we are doing is that we are only having the cart open for one week for these resources. And there is a reason for that. Uh, The first is that I feel like it is maintaining my sanity as a business owner. Because if you have evergreen resources, meaning they are up on your website all the time for purchase, you really have to constantly be directing people there. You have to constantly be marketing. And for, for me as a business owner, I prefer to like push hard sell for that week, right? Like this week, this coming week, if you're listening to this during the week of August one through seven in 2020, you're going to hear me on social media talking about these resources because I'm selling during this time. But the thing is, once the cart closes, I am free as the business owner to connect, focus on relationships, like not worry about selling and just be myself on social media. And when I show up in my practice and in my Facebook groups that I moderate, like I'm not, I don't, I don't have any pressure to sell when I don't have something 
launched at that time with a cart open, right? So that's the first reason. The first reason is that it saves my own sanity as a business owner. And I really believe that we should be making businesses that serve us as business owners as well as serve our clients. So my clients, now getting to how I serve the clients with a cart open close date, is that when you when you launch that way, when you have a specific time period for the cart to be open and then closed, you are putting an urgency on the the potential customer to buy the product. And a lot of times I think we we hem and hum, we don't really make decisions, and you're helping people make a decision by giving them limitations on when they can purchase your product if you have a firm open and close date for your cart. So it's just something I would encourage you guys to think about. It's not a it's not a pressure tactic. Like I don't want anyone to buy these resources. We actually offer a money back guarantee. That is how confident we are in these resources. I don't want anyone to buy these if they won't use them. But I know they're worth what we're asking for them and I I want to help people commit and make that decision if they can really use the resource and the resource will be really helpful to them. So by having a cart open and close, you are helping people make the decision essentially and commit to the decision. Okay. Um, let's talk about pricing now. Pricing. Um, I have done so much mindset work around pricing, specifically with the launch of these products. Um, These products are not priced as impulse purchases. So they are not $20. They are not something you're going to go online and buy for $37 without actually thinking about it. And there's a reason for that. Because I priced these resources based on the value that I know they are worth rather than what do I think people will pay for these? Because that is, I think that's how we normally think about pricing. We normally think, well, what would people pay? And instead, we need to flip our thinking and think about what is the value we are offering with a product, okay? So I had to reframe my mindset a lot when I priced these resources for the value that they offer. As I wrote the sales page, which took me lots of hours to get right, I spent a lot of time trying to communicate very clearly what is included in these offers and why. And that's the sales pages that bit.ly slash therapy in nature site that I shared earlier. So that's the sales page if you want to know what I'm referring to. Um, so as I wrote that sales page, I started realizing the the time and energy that went into creating these resources. I started realizing how much my team has learned over the years that we're sharing with people now and how how valuable that is so that other people don't have to make the same mistakes we did. They can start out on the right path right away. Um, I started realizing how much time I was saving people, how much less stress they would have getting started, how much clarity they would have doing nature-based therapy, using these resources, how confident they would feel knowing that they had someone guiding them who has been there and done that. And I realized that the value of these products was so much higher than if I was thinking, well, what what do I think people will pay? It's a very different frame of mind. Um, I also started considering that there are other available resources and trainings that cost way more than we are asking for these products. And also many of the training programs charge royalties and ongoing fees after you do the training. So... 
I, I really, really believe that it is so important to attend trainings. And, you know, I offer trainings and intend to continue offering them in my business. But a lot of nature-based therapy is learned as you do it. And if you are a good therapist, if you are a good pediatric therapist, these resources will help you get out in nature with kids and then be able to learn as you do because we've done a lot of the planning and the logistical stuff for you in these resources, okay? So as I started thinking about all that, I'm not trying to sell, I really am not trying to sell them. I'm using it as an example right now, but of my thinking behind how we price these. Now, um, that being said, I think there is still, and you you guys know me, I'm super, <laughs> sometimes too honest, people would say, um, but I, but I really am leaning into that as I, as I do this podcast and just sort of put myself out there in the OT entrepreneur space, because I really don't know any other way of being in the world besides being super honest. And sometimes I think it bites me in the butt, but I'm just going to say it here. So I still have some worry. There's still a little nervousness in my, in my gut, I guess, about releasing these products at like fair prices, I would say. Because I I fear judgment. I fear judgment from our community, honestly, of occupational therapists for thinking that I'm being greedy for charging, you know, three and four figure numbers for these offers or um, thinking that I'm just crazy or whatever. But but I want to really challenge you guys on that and, and, and speak to that right now, because um, one of the things that has really helped me when I have that little twinge of like, will people judge me? Will people think I'm bad? Or I don't know, whatever it is, whatever it is that is that little, you know, voice inside your head. Um, what has really helped me is realizing that I give away so much for free. So pricing for value is so much easier when you have a long history of giving away things for free. Okay. I've done this podcast for a year and a half or so now, maybe a little under that. Um, I have moderated the Therapy in the Great Outdoors Facebook group since last fall where I share like free resources all the time. Um, I have a relatively low cost Amazon book that you can buy for 35 bucks that will give you a bunch of activities to do. So there's information there. So if you serve people for free or low cost for a long time, then you can actually more confidently price for value because one of the things that um, Melissa LaPointe has said to me is that, you know, she's just really encouraged me like, Laura, you're not responsible for how people feel about your prices, you know, like, and, and that's been a little bit freeing too, just knowing that I have free offers out there. I give away tons of free information. So when I price something for the value that it, that it truly offers to people, I can feel okay doing that because I know that I have tons of free offers and that ultimately I'm not responsible for other people's emotions because the right people, the right people that need these products will pay because they'll value them because they'll know how valuable they are and how much they can help them. Okay. So I hope that, I hope that background of my thinking is a little bit helpful to you guys no matter what you're planning on launching or what you're thinking about in your business, I hope that helps kind of reframe how we price things. We need to price for value, not for like our understanding of what we think people will pay. We need to really think about the value we are offering. Okay, 
enough on that topic. I've said that enough. Okay. So, um, I, that's it guys. I, I really hope that this, um, that this episode was helpful to you. If you want to get started in nature-based practice, I hope I shared enough info for you to kind of step out there and start doing it. Um, shared some resources for you guys. You can join that free Facebook group. It's Therapy in the Great Outdoors, Nature-Based Pediatric Therapist. And also, if you have questions, so generally I tell people that go to the Mind Your OT business group to post questions, but if you have questions about nature-based practice, the best place to go is that nature-based therapist group, Therapy in the Great Outdoors, because there's a lot of other people in that group who will weigh in answering questions and who might, you know, have different opinions than I do on things. I am not the be all end all on this topic, you guys. So, you know, it's it's just I'm trying to share what I've learned to help you all get started. So that's it. Um, if you want to check out the resources, they are again at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash therapy in nature. And you can check them out there. So guys, take a small step. Maybe you take a small step outdoors today and just observe the natural world all around you. That can be your takeaway from today. So take a small step because small steps make great gains over time. Until next time, mind your OT business outside.